to the Stay At Home Festival podcast. Producer Trent here. Uh, Just right off the top, a couple of people have been asking how the podcast differs from the live stream. Uh, In essence, not a lot. If there's something uh, that is very visual, then that's not in the podcast. Uh, And some whole shows you can only get on the live stream or on demand on YouTube, uh, stuff like our Family Science Club, because that is extremely visual with lots of demos and that sort of thing. But in essence, they are mostly the same, which is why there might be elements like the show and tell stuff on the podcast that don't make as much sense in a purely audio format. You have options. That's the key or the point. Anyway, today's episode, Robin and Josie are joined by Marcus Brigstock and... Rachel Paris and Steve Pretty as well to talk about jazz and Jane Austen and lip syncing and Tim Brooke Taylor and the goodies and all sorts of stuff. Really fun episode today. Uh, Steve's song cuts short a little bit at the end. He's a uh, universe free jazz. Uh, the, there was just a problem with the streaming software this morning. It just crashed with a minute of the show left. So if you'd like to hear the full version of that song, do check out Steve's podcast, House Music, which you'll find on iTunes and Acast and uh, wherever you get podcasts. Really? tip jar for venues and artists that are in crisis at the moment is still at cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home and you can support us via patreon at patreon.com slash bookshambles here we go Hello, good morning. Welcome to Shambles at Home Festival uh, with uh, me and with Josie. Hello, Josie. Hello, Robin. How are you? Oh, very good. Are we going to have some of the? Because the yesterday's yawning was magnificent. There's been a lot of feedback on the really tight close-up yawns after you uh, you had a battle with adrenaline, didn't you, o- overnight? And there was uh, we've had a lot of dentists very interested in the formation of your teeth. Well, they're a particularly Can unusual you... type of teeth because I should have had braces, but the dentist didn't think I was committed enough to them, so I didn't have them. And now I think the dentist should have just put the braces on. But there we go. That's Alpington in 1993. Yeah, but I didn't have braces till I was like 46 years old. And the one thing that I did learn was when you do, you can't have a little drink of water and then continue talking because they act as troughs. So already the front row from the amount of spittle that comes out in a kind of Steve Winwood style from me, yeah. the arc of my yeah. spittle, right? Already it's quite a lot. If I also add a trough of water, it's a disaster. Oh, or that's like a thrill ride. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was the, the thr- I, I was the Alton Towers of the front row of the Lamb Inn Eastbourne, very much. I've uh, often said it. <laughs> How are you? I'm very good. I'm, I've started the day. I've been watching some fascinating. Uh, I've been doing a lot of interviews for the uh, book. In fact, one that I will talk about uh, with Rachel and Marcus, our, our guest today, just so you know, it's a International Jazz Day. It's not, but it is here. Uh, we've got uh, Rachel Paris, Marcus Brigstock, and we've also got Steve Pitty <coughs> joining us, and he's going to play something that he worked on with uh, with uh, Chris Lintot. Um, but I, was t- I talked to um, someone called uh, Susan Strong, and, and I'll talk to, to Marcus about it because Marcus, is, I know, is a huge fan of Prince, and she was the engineer on 
on a lot of Prince's uh, big recordings. And she was talking about that one, the stories about Prince, which are absolutely beautiful and, and, and fascinating and about music obsession as well. So anyway, I've been doing all these book interviews, but the one that I'm doing today is with a guy called Adrian Owen, who I met in Toronto and he deals with, he, in terms of kind of a neuroscientist looking at consciousness, uh, looking at from a very kind of pragmatic view with people with vegetative state. And, uh, and he's found out there's various people that have been in fMRIs and they've realized that they still have quite active brains. They still have self-conscious self-awareness and, uh, and the work that's been done in terms of getting those people uh, back to having some form of, of active and interactive life. So that's oh, wow. how I started my day, and it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, and I really recommend Adrian Owen, it's look up some of the talks very he's much done. The opposite of the chimp, the Cannib- chimp cannibalism yesterday. Ah, chimp cannibalism was a disaster, right? I love Jane Goodall. Jane, oh, my list, I sent an email to someone who knows someone who knows Jane Goodall going, please be interviewed for my book, Jane Goodall. I really am fascinated in your work and chimpanzees and everything. But yeah, starting the day reading about the brutality of the two female chimpanzees who went up to another mother and would just continually kill and yes, eat her babies. To go into all Not, let's just remember. Oh, a comparison. Just remember, if you're ever going through some nostalgia loop and you're watching old PG Tips adverts and you go, hang on a minute, I thought there were uh, two grown chimpanzees and a baby chimpanzee pushing up the piano. Yeah, halfway up the stairs, the baby chimpanzee was eaten. What they do what they do with them is they put peanut butter on their teeth and it looks like they're talking. And that's what they also do with Boris Johnson. Hey! <laughs> what is your show and tell today? So... Um, we got given by one of our upstairs neighbours um, some copies of these, which I just hadn't thought my daughter was old enough for yet. So I hadn't thought to investigate. Well, they are racing the Megan Mogg. Uh, oh, they're so I, incredible. They used to have a Simon Bates introduction whenever you rent or buy a Megan Mogg book. You have to be certain about the contents. But they, they're so beautiful and playful and they really sort of remind me of like, Channel 4 showing animation from Eastern Europe when I was a kid. And um, I found those. And then I dug this out because we were talking to Martin Rousen yesterday. And I rather playfully, because I was reading these to my daughter, and I went, oh, do you want me to read this one? And she was like, no, no, not that one. Like, she knew. And she really, I don't know what on YouTube has got to her, but already... Already, they do say the opposed to Marxism. I'm <laughs> the uh, the Marxist gene from current research. It has been found out it can skip a generation. In fact, especially oddly enough, if both the uh, the mother and the father have the Marxism gene, that very often leads to the development of a capitalism gene. So, uh, but at the same time, uh, good for us when she chooses the home that we get put in. So that's in a way, isn't it? <laughs> Not really, because she'll be going, oh, hang on a minute. Well, that one said, I've looked there at the cost, uh, the cost of love. I'm afraid mother and father is too great and it will affect my ivory back scratcher. Um, I have uh, Observer, copy of the Observer, because um, I love these. I, I can't remember if I've pulled these out before, but I, I, I have always been obsessed with uh, old colour supplement magazines mm. from when, when I first, like when I was quite young and it's when Snapchat, 1995 isn't it? was years ago. And this I've got because I've got a few with Don McCullen's brilliant uh, photographs. Oh, wow. Don McCullen, of course, is generally best known for photographs of kind of of, of war and uh, of also Ireland in the 1970s and, and yeah. things like that. And this I just love because this is one of just it's just a boy having fun in the fairground. And it's just kind of a reminder 
of, uh, of of his ability in so many but also because it's international jazz day one of the the main reason i think that uh, i love these magazines is for the adverts and international jazz day here is an advert for bry nylon showing that it goes well with jazz i hope you can <laughs> see that uh bry nylon is very much a swinging ticket that's what it is bry nylon is a swinging ticket swinging ticket subtle sweater solo by Shah cleod with the swinging accompaniment of carefree bry nylon how to get in on the act look for the bry nylon label and you're sure to hit the top fashion note do, 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 jazz there we are so that is that's my show and tell and uh should we meet uh yes. welcome to their front room it is Rachel Paris and Marcus Briggs. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello. We've been really laughing and we were like, are we on mute? <laughs> are they going to hear us laughing? Weirdly enough, of course, as comedians, that's what goes through our head when we're performing. performing. They're on mute because I, I'm just not sure <laughs> it's going down that well. That's um, what will happen when we're all gigging live again. If you're dying, you can just be like, nah. it's a shame they were muted. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the Skype connection with my live audience was very, very weak. So I want to ask you two first of all about, about jazz, which I'd not known. I mean, certainly with you, Marcus, I've known about a lot of your kind of different, you know, musical obsessions. And we've, we've spent time at festivals and been to see all manner of different acts and but but jazz when did that become part has it always been something you've been interested interested in no i i had a go at it i i was sort of properly into it for a little while where in my early 20s and then and then i sort of started trying to listen to records that were just too difficult and telling everyone i was listening to them like even at that time the birth of the cool by miles davis because what a great title for an album mm. um and i'd tell them yeah i listened to the birth of the cool but i hated it i really hated the music <laughs> it's awful uh, and bitches brew still you know i have a good go at bitches brew a couple of times a year and i'd say one in four i listened to the whole thing and go oh, that was really great mostly i'm like oh this is exhausting it's like being beaten up um <laughs> so it probably kicked in about seven, six, seven years ago and then got really, really, really obsessive. But part of the joy of it for me is finding something where there are uh, there are loads of limits, even with even with a single artist, you know, where you're like, oh, no, this bit's awful. Like John Coltrane went mad. I mean, See, that's those are the bits that I like. I, I think, you know, as someone who's reasonably obstreperous, as Stuart Lee, but reasonably obstreperous. Yeah. I quite like it when there is a level of discordancy, where there is a level of, uh, I don't really know what they thought they were doing, but it seems to be alienating enough people for me to be drawn <laughs> to. You know, yeah. there is that when kind I of... Something in this. I, was I, in, um, I was in a record shop in Edinburgh a few, a few years ago, and I did, it was one of the sort of maybe a week into the festival or something, and I was going through uh, some jazz vinyl, and from behind me I heard, yeah, we danced to that record in Club Zarathustra a few years ago. And it was Stuart. And then he just sort of, that was all he said, and then walked off. And I wasn't sure whether it was like thumbs up for that record or whether he was going, yeah, because we all knew it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> when I, when did, I did, um, um, a tour, uh, so when I was supporting Stuart on tour so long ago, when I was 22, we were in the car and we would play things like Bob Dylan or the specials or, you know, things that we both really love. And then he got this big bunch of CDs at that time of like John Zorn and the new John Zorn experimental side project. And we were driving down the motorway and it was really like, silence and then just like, <laughs> and, then like and then he just sort of turned to me and went 
we can turn this off if you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really like, no, 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 I love it. It's wonderful. It's gross. Yeah, it's I, I think it's... It's I think it's good. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love this. this is, absolutely. But that's um, the thing. I mean, Rachel, you must, uh, uh, as a, a musician, yeah. do you, I mean, the way that you it, cause, uh, kind of interact with music, is there something a bit like if you've been a comic for too long, there yeah. are certain bits of comedy which can no longer work for you because the mechanism is too apparent. And I wonder if you, whether you've ever found that with certain music where you sometimes, oh, I love that as a kid. And you go, now I know how well, that works. Well, I get, I get that with like really sort of basic pop music, but um, not, not ever with like quite traditional jazz because so I grew my jazz's tastes are very trad. They're like the great American songbook, Sammy Kahn, Harold Arlen, Gershwin, Cole Porter, like, and a lot of it's vocal because I grew up like in a house that didn't really play music. Um, so the music I knew was the music I played on the piano. And uh, so I, I got bought like all the songbooks of all of those people, and I learned all the songs. So I so still they're the first things that come to me when I play and sing. Um, and I never really got into other instrumental stuff because I couldn't play the trumpet. That <laughs> 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 I just could do what I could sing and play. Um, and but those tastes, and then I I only when I started you know buying CDs, then bought like all the Ella Fitzgeralds, all of the um Louis Armstrong's and all of that so those tastes have kind of stayed the same but then they're quite luckily they're very compatible yeah, with our tastes so now like in the house we play a lot of the the, the sort of is it like bebop is that the word yeah yeah, yeah. that bebop kind of like is yeah. it 50s 50s era yeah is the era that I like but no I don't I I recognize the I recognize how they the structure of the songs I suppose but it doesn't make me like them any less but be, really nice. being being in the house with someone who can sit at the piano and go, oh yeah, here's here's a Horace Silver uh, tune or a version of, or you know, here's some Gershwin or Cole Porter, and just be able to play it is literally like blows my mind. Because yeah, you're not musical, are you, Marcus? I mean, I know you, I know you can sing and 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 you know you 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 can carry tunes and stuff like that, but but you you don't because you're not someone who can play an instrument, are you? Well, I'm le I'm learning the trumpet now. Uh, so and that's this is not the time to do it. If you this live in a terraced house during isolation <laughs> yeah. and your neighbours, that is a cruel present for your neighbours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, I've worked out one more note in this scale. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the trumpet, trumpet is one of the most satisfying um, instruments to learn because you can make enough progress so that you can make notes in yeah. a relatively short period of time, and it's so satisfying. It's yeah, like. Yeah. I spent a summer learning the trumpet before university and I didn't get that far, but I was so, it's the most devoted and in love with practice I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Because like every day I was like, maybe I can make a C now. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it yeah. Really my, and it does make such a difference. You play every day, even for, even for a couple of weeks, it makes a massive, massive difference. But my teacher's been brilliant because he, I mean, I did say to him, but they don't always kind of, they're not always able to deliver, but I said to him, I'd rather play music that I really love very badly than music that I don't like or care about sort of well, even if that's sort of a better way to learn. So I try to play things like My Funny Valentine and Send in the Clowns and, and stuff like that. And It sounds nice. 
Yes. Yes. So uh, it kind of, you know, I can get there with some of that stuff. And I, I love that. And even like we played the head of, of a few tunes from, uh, from kind of blue. Um, and just like, it's even if it's just the first three bars, it's still like, Oh oh my God, I'm playing that. And that, that delights me in a way that, um, it's just wonderful. I love it. Also, it's good because if you two as a duo, duo, you know, so during, if you want to do a really long solo, Rachel, it does look quite cool when a trumpeter's just fiddling with it. They're not actually playing. They're fiddling it with an angle. Just holding still a certain, whereas an impatient piano player just sat there. It's much harder to fiddle <laughs> with a piano and look like it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's messier. It's much messier. Do, do you have a, is, is there a, a, a shaded area where you two cannot find shared uh, musical taste? I mean, oh, it, it is. It, yeah. uh, I mean, there's, there's plenty. I would say a lot, I'd say quite, quite a bit of the classical music I like. You find quite. <laughs> Hang on, what like? Uh, quite boring. The stuff, the stuff with no beat. I'm, <laughs> really, I'm a complete, uh, just cave dweller when it comes to. I'm like, music. there is a beat. They're just not banging it out on a yeah. drum. I need, I need to be really handheld and guided through classical music. And so, like, it has worked a bit, hasn't it? But sometimes, if you've sort of introduced me to something and then I really listen, I'm like that's beautiful i can hear that that's yeah. extraordinary or interesting and it makes me see things but when if classical music is on sort of incidentally i'll always ask you like so who's this what's yeah. this one and then i sort of need a hook to get into it and it's funny i like i did grow up with lots of classical music at home my parents are really into it but it's a it's a blind spot for me and i don't really like really um heavy like electronic dance anthems that you used to dance to in the 90s um, amazing uh, is it the anthem or is it the silver shorts he wears because sometimes <laughs> the two can it's safest choice isn't it um it's neither are great it's funny that because like there are you know there are some tunes that i like from the early 90s that you know, for me, it does so much. It takes me on a journey and lots of memories and makes me want to dance and all the rest of it. But when someone quite rightly says, this is just the same for, for, for six minutes, this is just the same, then you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only thing that's making this interesting is me imposing my own memories of having been at a club or a festival or, or whatever over the top of just a repeated... Doing sober repeat. raving. Sober raving. <laughs> that's the way. What that's a life. The way. I think. I think with things like that that are really because I don't like it when people treat cha- uh, classical music like it's wallpaper. Like I absolutely hate yeah. just sort of people just having something on like in a lift or I, I don't know. Like most boring is when people yeah. do that with it. Mm. But we play dance, like house music. Amazing. Put it on as wallpaper. I will get some work done. Like, yeah, the yeah. only music that I'm like, great, you occupy a tiny part of my brain. I'll get the rest done. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I can't do d- dance music generally. I, I enjoy it if it's not been made to dance. Robin, to. you're not a big, you're not a big raver, Robin. <laughs> no, I know. And it's weird because if you look at my collection of luminous whistles, you'd think I was. <laughs> but um, it is. Uh, 
What no, were you but, like uh, when you were like 19, 20 before we knew each other? Did you go out a lot? The same. He was the same <laughs> as this. <laughs> I, did, I, I was never someone who liked crowds, which you'll see from why the, I've taken my career in the direction I have. Um, but I kind of, I would go to places like Feet First at Camden Palace on a Tuesday oh. night where they would play Dinosaur Junior and Happy Mondays. So I liked dance music when it was, I would like the kind of Manchester dance music. I love, I love things like Massive Attack, orbital uh i love all of the kind of james lavelle mo wax stuff but it's the mm -hmm. bit when it just because it, it, there's a point where it seems only there to dance to and i go there's not enough going on and i do and that thing you were saying most i need too many extraneous bangs and yeah. samples and oddities because otherwise my mind wanders i think Robin, that's, did, that's it. did you the section like when you were sort of late teens early 20s and maybe going to parties of friends and stuff like that where generally speaking the same music got played for me there was a three or if we were lucky four song section where they would play uh, should i stay or should i go then love cats yeah um tainted love by soft cell and if you were really lucky one other acceptable like close to me by the cure yeah, yeah maybe something like that that you like these i will dance to but i won't smile and then I'll go back to where I was and rock backwards and forwards over. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 exactly the same. And it's an odd thing now, looking back at something like, like Feet First, which was Jonathan and Eco, which was the kind of indie disco and in, in, uh, in the late 80s into the early 90s. That, I used to go to that when I was 14 years old. Oh, so I like, to, illegal. I like to upbraid them on their terrible lack of security in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. Get away with it. All 14 but, but, I what think I was neglected, now, now. To, be, to be honest. But, you know. <laughs> Some would say you ran free, others would say you were neglected. There's running, two ways of. A mock is what I was trying <laughs> to say. But Josie, they used to. Were you use... 18 when I first met you? Uh, uh, I probably great. would have been 17, I think. 17. Because nice I, remember, I remember when I first met Josie was, and she was like. Were you performing at Glastonbury? Yeah, yeah. I started when I was a teenager, basically. Yeah. And, and to forgive uh, blushes here, right? But I mean, firstly, she was brilliant and so funny. But also, I remember talking to you and thinking, she's so clever and sophisticated. <laughs> and like, I, because I was a, no, I, I really did. I really did. Well, when she, you now was, you look at me and you think, what went wrong? Yeah, what has happened? <laughs> what went wrong? What has happened here? <laughs> you seemed so happy at that Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't a cool kid going to clubs when I was 14. Well, I don't know whether it's cool, honestly. I mean, I really, really love, you know, when I think about teenagers who are just very studious and content, I think that's much cooler, isn't it, than being... You know Rachel, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it is very cool. Like, you know, yeah, it's silly, yeah. isn't it? And ideas of cool change every five years anyway, so... Have you seen tell book teenagers slam? now. <laughs> Pardon? Have you seen Book Slam? It is Book Slam, isn't it? Book Slam. Uh, the, Do you mean the Book Smart? Smart? Partly because I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> it has it has one mistake in it. It has <laughs> the, the, there's a little bit. There's one plot bit where I thought, nah, that I I I, I, I that, that that's too much kind of papering over the cracks. But it's a lovely film because it's basically about the two really really smart girls and they're going to go to the really great colleges and all the other girls and the, the boys they've all wasted their time. But it turns out all the other ones have been having a great time and partying, but are also going to Harvard. And yeah. it's like, it's kind of yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a, it's really worth your time. That I would bit, say. Yeah, like great. that was that that really happened. Like at, at this my school, 
was uh, I wasn't exactly like one of the ones that people thought oh you know you'll go to um Oxbridge or anything like that but definitely there was there was like it was awful we we were awful people there was there was a girl who was one of the cool gang um or the mafia as we used to call them and she was very thin and a pretty and she was literally a model she was the only girl who was literally a model at, at 18 was a, a person like, obviously at we was a model yeah exactly and everyone all the other girls hate her apart from the cool gang and she got like there weren't a stars at a level then obviously so she got um five a's and we we our group our group was like what the fuck now well, oh sorry don't swear it's early in the morning it but like, it's too late now oh, fine. <laughs> but yeah we were like so horribly Wait, surprised in a, two, in a two year window she got five a's at a level yeah yeah some people at that time took five a levels yeah, yeah. And we, it just that 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 film Booksmart so covers that like horrible judgmental thing about like who's meant to do well and be studious and who's not, and that actually sometimes the cool girls do are clever as well. <laughs> also, I think it's about what you cling to because you sort of go, I've oh, got well, this thing, you know, I don't have that thing, but exactly. I've got this I've thing. Life, but I'll probably do quite well at A levels. So we were like, oh my god, you're a model and you're cool and you've got a boyfriend and you're doing well academically. Oh, and she's got a boyfriend. <laughs> and she had the boyfriend's got a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, you know that bit in um, I'm thinking of the LCD sound system song, Losing My Edge, where he goes, I'm losing my edge, and all these people are coming up behind, and then at the end he goes, and they're actually, I mean, they're really great people. They're really talented. Good for them, you know. <laughs> and it's like that. It's like, well, to be honest, come on. Um, and what should you do now? Have you ever been tempted to Google her? No, actually, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it now. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's a scene from Community, isn't it? Was it Community where he's looking people up? Who? Uh, someone was looking people up. What did we watch? What did we watch? We watched something the other day, and someone was looking people up to see that they'd oh. failed. Oh, yeah. uh, Good, yes. Oh no, no. Yeah. It was we were we started rewatching Green Wing. That's what oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, rewatching Green Wing, and in the first episode of that, one of the young doctors is looking people up who were really successful and cool at school, going, "Ha, good." And now I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Just quickly mention, by the way, because we haven't mentioned it today, there is a tip jar uh, somewhere on. We're probably at the bottom of the screen and we are collecting money for uh, people in the arts industry who are kind of been uh, hitting the wall and are having a lot of, uh, of uh, having financial problems just trying to keep them afloat. And also we've been giving money to so far it's five different art centres been able to give some donations to so that they can keep, uh, you know, being funded and, uh, and you know, will basically actually be able to, to, to pay themselves a wage and keep Six going. Six art centres. Six art centres. I think we did to, to caution <laughs> the art centre twice. Up. We weren't given to them once. So, yes. Already, but a sixth one has thrown itself uh yeah trent's own me. art center that he set up this june <laughs> yeah, yeah. The but, um, art center of prestige without <laughs> so, to, to drag things down reading that the um the arctrix yeah. art center in bromsgrove is is not going to make it through this was probably the 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 sort of biggest thing for me like it really hit me like a like a truck I was like, oh no, that's just awful, awful, awful. And it's, you know, it's one place. Obviously, there will be absolutely loads, but I don't know. Maybe it's a place I've had particularly good gigs in, but just thinking, oh no, no, these places I, are I, so important. Also, you know. so 
I started stand-up when I was 14 and I was able to kind of start was because in Beckenham at that time there was an art centre called The Studio and it was basically the only art centre in the whole of Bromley there's a commercial theatre in Bromley but in the whole of the borough of Bromley it's the Mm. only art centre and it was the only place that did kind of courses like that Mm. Um, and obviously like that's what meant I was introduced to stand-up comedy did stand-up comedy did like improv did loads of stuff like that and then obviously uh, obviously then that got sold off uh, by the Conservative Council. No, really? Yeah. And, but I forget. Yeah, really feel or something. Yeah, exactly. It must have been with thoughts. No. But they, um, so now that just isn't there. That whole community yeah. doesn't yeah. have any chance to do anything like that except the odd things commercially or in libraries and stuff. And yeah, it's that. It's, it's so meaningful in terms of like a hub and a lighthouse yeah. for people, well, then- you know? Yeah, for us, the um, just up the road, the Omnibus Theatre theatre was sort of it, it came. Actually, it was was a library, and they were closing the library. They they'd sold it off, and these people sort of leapt in and went, "No, hang on, this should be a space for for public use." And now it's actually there are four performance and rehearsal spaces in there, and I mean they're really really struggling as well now, obviously. But they do tons of stuff, you know, with with youth theatre groups, new writing, and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just how hope they're, they're all okay. Uh, well, I've sort of been in touch. They're 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 still there for now. So fingers crossed. Well, all the art centres we get, we get are the kind of art centres which do, at the you know, make sure that it is something for the community as well. And there's a lot of things that go on there, and you know, local artists and all of that kind of thing. I know people again. We've talked about this before that it's 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 a luxury, etc. In, in one way, but actually, the people who we're trying to get money to, it's their job. It's what they do, and they spend an enormous amount of time. To, and we're trying to make sure that they say they don't become unemployed that's one of the things that it's about you know and places like the rondo where where ian who who runs that they they make sure there's new plays and new writers and new people being drawn through all the time so it's uh anyway that's uh, also if we're not keeping art alive what are we doing it all for huh Mm -hmm. that's what they say both those sound effects showed the influence that Mark's and Rachel's jazz has had on you already. I've never seen it. Do you, have to, do you do that, Marcus? That's what I used to have to do to practice my embouchure. Yeah, a lot, a lot of this. <laughs> like you're smoking. Yeah, that so looks, cool. That looks a bit like a sort of um, medieval giving the finger. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like that would be a gesture even now like a french disc uh, rachel i haven't even asked you yet about the fact that you and carriad are doing the pride and prejudice uh watch along yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i so fun. ignored pride and prejudice due to prejudices from school basically where a certain clique I was like, it's basic. I will never, ever touch it. And then I watched the Joe Wright uh, adaptation and I loved it so much. I watched it like three times in a week. That's a good adaptation. That's a good adaptation. I don't like, it's not my favourite adaptation, but but that's that's probably because I already loved it. So Mm -hmm. I was like, stop messing with it <laughs> you're like that isn't the right person and that's not the right person yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kira Knightley is not the right one and why is Darcy that person but actually um I think actually coming back to it now I think I'd really like that adaptation not least because Matthew McFadden is now so amazing in everything 
Um, I've been on a Matthew McFadden completist um, trip for the past <laughs> month, nice. where I've just been watching everything I can find. Like, mm, yes, well, I really see. Mm, yes, yeah. but I, yeah, but I, yeah, I've had that as well. Like since Succession, I've had a complete rethink on him because he was definitely, you know, an actor. You go, oh, yeah, he's always. I saw he's, him in Spooks. He was he's always solid. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. And now you're like Matthew. Fadden. <laughs> Amazing. We just watched something with him the other day. Um, the quiz show. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah, he was Loved great. it. And hey. also, Robin, have you seen this yet? Quiz. No. We were talking no. about the other week. Basically, you go into it going, I know this story. They cheated and they got caught. And you leave it going, they're innocent. How <laughs> dare <laughs> they? How uh, dare this really world? I, I, I left concluding they were probably innocent or at the very least so bad at it <laughs> that, that they shouldn't be punished. But I thought they were definitely guilty, but that's because I'd previously watched the documentary about it. But now I found out through that programme that the documentary was made by ITV yeah. with a lot of prejudice. So now yeah. I'm like, who knows? Also, I found out that the um, that the major is quite like anti-Tory, and I was really like, "He's a great man. He deserves his million pounds. Leave him alone. Leave him alone." <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, he's got a Twitter, and he's fine. Back That's off not... him. He's no Carol Baskin. That is not what you'd expect. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Uh, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with you shortly. But we're going to go because it's International Jazz Day here. Uh, I think yes, we are going to join. Steve Pretty, who many of you will have uh, seen before, he's, he's uh, regularly as well as doing his own amazing work with Hackney Colliery Band and others. Uh, he also does incredible arrangements every year when we do our shows uh, at the Hammersmith Apollo. And did we were mentioning Love Cats? Uh, one of my better bad ideas was to uh, say to Robert Smith, "Why don't you do an umpar version of Love Cats with uh, Brian Cox on the piano?" And uh, you, you were musical uh, director of that, weren't you, Steve? I was, yeah, that was amazing. Thank that was amazing. That. Incredible that. slash weird opportunity to do that. It was, it was really special um, doing that with Brian and, and Robert. Yeah, um, I'm not sure Umpar's quite right. I suppose it almost was, wasn't it? It's a little, little bit of Umpar about it. Yeah, I think it umpard. It umpard more than <laughs> a the, uh, the cure normally umpar. It was yeah, definitely an umpar that's in fair. terms of umpar than normal. Steve, I really, really like your setup. Your studio uh, setup. I, I tell you what, I've mainly in this lockdown, I've mainly been uh, counting my lucky stars about how if this had happened last year, we would have been in such a worse uh, position. My my son, our second uh, child, has just turned one, so we would have, he would have been being born right over this. And this uh, is in my garden, this um, this sort of shed, and it was being built this time last year. So I wouldn't have had this, and with the garden site, the garden would have been a building site, so we wouldn't really have been able to use the garden. And I mean, it, you know, we're just so lucky in so many ways that, especially that I'm I'm able to kind of escape here for a few hours a day. Wow, good. So, what is this in in terms of here? Is your, this is your jazz studio, the studio jazz? Yeah, and um, are you are you at the moment going? Because obviously, you you normally have an incredible workload uh, and and a live schedule. Now that's, now that's gone. Are you d delving into John Zorn like experimentation? Are we <laughs> seeing a Stuart Lee uh, free jazz revival? Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, it's funny. I'm actually not playing the trumpet that much. I'm I'm trying to do a lot of practice uh, on other. In I've I've always had my piano playing has always been pretty shonky and just barely enough to kind of get by for arranging and composing. So I've been working. I've been pretty religiously coming out here 
every morning I've sort of flipped my day around from uh, being a late night person to getting up and being in here at 6am every day and doing you know trying to be a bit dedicated and doing a bit of practice because otherwise you know the day with two kids and it sort of can be a bit hectic so I've been doing a bit of that and a bit of drumming trying to sort of learn some new skills and take that chance but I've also I've started this podcast so I've been which I've been sort of putting off for ages so it's, it's this lockdown it's now a bit more lockdown themed than it was supposed to be but it's based around some of the stuff I've done with with you Robin in uh, in your shows the origin of the pieces stuff sort of teaching people about music um and using stuff in their house to kind of show them how music works and stuff so it's been it's been really fun doing that but as a result I've I've I mean I pick up the trumpet for about 20 minutes a day and that's about it at the moment which is uh, in a way, it's quite liberating because, as we talk, you were talking about earlier, oh, speaking of which, actually, here's, and let me show off my buzz. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there we are. You, uh, so, you're not number one anymore, Joe. So you were, you were number <laughs> one. <laughs> Listen, I can do a trombone as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's been quite liberating because normally, although the trumpet is such a, a brilliant instrument, it's also quite punishing in terms of if you don't practice. And certainly with my work with Hackney Colliery Band, it's really um, uh, intensive playing there and very sort of high energy and loud and high and all the rest of it. So you've really, normally I've got to do quite a lot of practice just to be able to get through a gig. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of endurance, you know, that's needed for those gigs. And so actually not having to do sort of, an hour a day of like long notes and kind of <laughs> is actually quite welcome. So I've been sort of working through, working through some, again, just sort of taking the opportunity to work through some other stuff. There's this massive tome that it's all about John train earlier. And is this big tome, uh, which is a thesaurus of scales and melodic patterns, patterns which, which uh, uh, John train famously, famously sort of spent years, years going, going through and working through trying to work my way through that and practicing through everything which has been a bit, bit challenging and a bit weird well probably more I, so for my neighbors but i was going to ask about that in in terms of do you feel that there is a book or uh, a series of programs of uh things to listen to or anything that gives a really good grounding in getting to know jazz and different types of jazz it's a really good question um uh there's, I mean, there's been a few things. There was a Ken Burns documentary, which I haven't actually seen all of, but I've seen some of, um, that was out in the States about 10, 15 years ago. But if you know a little bit more about it, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, like, but I don't think you need, you don't need to be fully immersed in it. I think sometimes, you know, read stuff about jazz and it's sort of assuming a level of knowledge that is really only speaking to other musicians, which is not very helpful. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, so the short answer is not that I can think of, really, because it's either aimed at musicians and is quite sort of nerdy and niche or it's or it's too general, like, hey, click your fingers, daddy-o, and it's like, none yeah. of those, neither of those. So, so, <laughs> so what we've actually seen there is the classic jazz answer. The answer was no. You managed to riff you on, managed it, to riff on, it, on it, it for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly really impressive. Highly impressive. Um, <laughs> um, I've got something I've before, is, 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 but beautiful in terms of just about the lines. It's Jeff Dyer, the brilliant author, Jeff Dyer. It certainly would draw you in. It would draw you in. 
even though it's not I think even though it's not technical or anything like that. Or, or anything um, like that. Steve, um, you are gonna, Steve, you are going to... Steve, you are going to... I think uh, we're going to hear some uh, of the music, music you did with... Chris um, Lintock. Chris, uh, yes. He, you've done a great show uh, mixing up kind of music and uh, and astronomy. Yeah, so Chris and I have been doing this show for, uh, for a couple of years on and off uh, called Universe of Music, which is about the sort of... Uh, it's really, it came about backstage at one of your big Robin, um, we got to know each other through the like Hammersmith gigs, I suppose. Uh, and turns out Chris is a big music fan, but doesn't know anything about it. And I, you know, I love astronomy, but don't know anything about it. And so he, it was his suggestion that we sort of try and get together and, and make a bit of a show out of it. And so um, it's been really fun to do. And we, it's partly about the sort of interaction of the two. And it's partly about both of us just sort of chatting about, our own fields and asking each other questions about how stuff works. And so, um, but the, the, the bit of music I did, I actually wrote, uh, I did for the, for my podcast, um, the house music podcast, which I, cause I had Chris on as a guest last week and we, I'm trying to kind of break down music in really elemental, bless you, um, in really elemental ways. And so talking about the real sort of basics, but, uh, from a kind of interesting perspective. So I had Chris on, and we were talking about this planetary system, with these sort of harmonic orbits. So where for every two times one planet goes round, the, uh, uh, the the next planet goes round three times and so on. So there's an, if you, there's a guy called Matt Russo um, in Canada who has uh, sort of sonified these, right? So it, it basically sounds a note every time this planet hits that and then the next planet sounds a note every time it hits there. And so as a result, you get this, it's actually sort of really beautiful harmony emerging from these this distant planetary system and so i had chris on sort of talking about this thing called the harmonic series which is what really underlies the whole of, of notes and what music is really our understanding of music and so we were talking about this planetary system and how that relates to notes and so i kind of knocked together this it's basically a jam session with a planetary system it's kind of like an ambient piece really which is completely different from what i normally do um, and so it's it's a bit formless and it kind of drifts in and out and I've made this slightly trippy video to go with it um, but it was it's really fun to do and actually I found it quite soothing thinking about you know in the current context just thinking about stuff that's so so distant and so sort of abstract but there's something but something so beautiful about 600 light years away these planets going around in this kind of way that we can interpret as music and so it's just my sort of response to that i suppose well it's we're like, gonna um, we're gonna watch that at the uh and listen to that at the end of the show um sorry josie you have something no to i was ask. just gonna say it's like interviews about cosmology and very it's much so to, yeah step back I, I i count yeah infinite monkey cage is a very ambient uh experience <laughs> um so yes yeah, um, so yes yeah, steve we will uh we will see you uh at the end of the show um and now uh we're just going to go back to uh marcus and rachel and just remind you again about the tip jar at the bottom there where we're uh, building up a fund for uh people in the arts who kind of hitting the wall uh and i wanted to ask you uh, i hope this isn't too much but i know that um near the beginning of of of, uh, of of this isolation period um in fact we had a long conversation on that day on that sunday after the the, the first week uh tim taylor died and uh i just i wanted because both of you i know work with tim and you like work with him you know not not that long ago and i wanted to talk about just the importance of uh of tim taylor 
and if, uh, because yeah, I was here this morning, yeah. I started the day before I before went, I went into uh, dealing with the nature of consciousness. I did l- uh, listen to an old episode of I'm sorry, I'll read that again. And yeah. and, and you know when you realise there are certain people who culturally sometimes you almost don't notice how far that stick of rock you know kind of runs through you in terms of okay, yeah. all you know. That, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. It was the first thing that I used to I surreptitiously used to listen to. It must have been repeated throughout our childhood. It was my mum's great yeah. big radio that i would take and listen under the nylon sheet which of course is a tremendously dangerous thing to do in the late 1970s it could have been a conflagration <laughs> at any moment but yes yeah, so I, I just wondered in, in in terms of when, when you've worked with tim uh from both of you yeah yeah no i mean he's uh it's so sad I and mean, we, we did a we did the last um i'm sorry i haven't a clue with tim um sort of when you know when this was all starting and then we everyone was going oh, should we shouldn't we and all the rest of it and trying just to, f- to follow guidance but he was so gleefully silly you know i mean just so amazingly silly and he'd get this look in his eye when he knew he had something really puerile and, and usually pretty disgusting to drop on the audience and even though he'd done it a million times before they were still shocked and delighted every time he did it. Go, oh, I can't believe soft, small, elderly Tim Brooke Taylor just said something so. <laughs> Definitely always did, yeah. and I like how much joy he got out of his own jokes. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, a Willy reference. What did, was it? Was it Todger? Todger, yeah. Yeah, there was. We were doing this sort of the the work through. For, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Sort of, you know, who's who's going to do what in what round and stuff. And we were all like pitching joke ideas, and Tim said something. I about, can't remember what the setup was. No, yeah, he no. just said, "Todger." My Todger or something. <laughs> oh, for ages. While everyone else was was going, I don't know, Tim. You know, we probably might play in the room. And he was like, and then he got really defensive, going, "No, no, no we're doing it. We're definitely doing <laughs> it. It's very funny." And then when we did it in the live show yeah the audience absolutely it killed. It killed. lost it tim's like, todger so funny so when he I, I mean i knew him a little bit and then he came on as a guest on the first series of i'm um not sorry on um uh, i've never seen star wars where I, i'd get people to do stuff they'd never done before and um one of the things he said he'd never done is buy pornography. What? He said, no, no i've never never bought pornography and the idea i had was you know, go to a late night garage like lots of shuffly men and sort of have to buy some dog food to pretend you're not really there for a copy of Mayfair. But the producer sent him to like a full on sex shop in in Soho. It's not really what I'd expected anyway. But Tim went into this place with BBC recording equipment. So all of the other (laughs) went, well, we're not having this and we're out. So it was just Tim and he picked up this magazine and took it to the till. And uh, at, at which point the guy uh, on the till said, do I recognize you? I think I know you. <laughs> and Tim immediately went, yes, yes, I'm Bill Oddie. Which <laughs> uh, was an absolute delight. So, uh, yeah, he just, it was gleefully, joyfully funny. And, you know, it's so, it's so, so sad. And yeah, the work he made, especially with, with Graham in all sorts of, with Graham Garden in all sorts of different capacities will well anything it'll make us laugh for years to come so that's the aim isn't it i think there is that thing that i don't i don't know what the it's not a trick i mean i think graham garden was right you know that that term a class act is such a beautiful way of Mm -hmm. something else but every time you almost forgot 
how funny and brilliant Tim was. There's something yeah. about just the look of him, the manner of him, that, that each time it, it came with so much more momentum because, I mean, the speed of his mind. When I did a couple of uh, shows with him in, in January, talking about the last the 1948 show, where, you know, he'd just driven yeah. up from Worthing to Bristol to, yeah. uh, you know, and, and probably not have that much sleep, and just all the stories that came out and the, the love of, of Marty Feldman and all of those things. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah a, a class act. And... Um, to mention uh, a couple of other things that you're up to at the moment. Something involving uh, lip syncing, I believe, Marcus. Yeah, this has been amazing. I mean, we 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 were both poorly. We, we both had we assume C19. Don't know. But who knows? And then and then sort <laughs> of started to feel better. better. You know, the point at which I think we felt better was when we were playing music and jumping around a bit downstairs. And um, anyway. Just you were. What did you do? Trouble, to? trouble. I like to be fair. Like without any idea of ever putting it up anywhere, I did for absolutely no reason spend all of the last um, ostentatious tour um, last autumn learning the words to "Trouble" by Iggy Azalea. I think at the back of my head was if you ever get invited on Lip Sync Battle, you this is the song you'll do because I'm not actually good at learning words. You are. Mm. But I find it really hard. So it took me like about eight weeks <laughs> to learn the word for no reason last year to yeah. Iggy Zolia. So when I came, I think I put it on just to listen to it and I was like, Marcus, watch this, watch this, what's this? And then you went, put that up. Why yeah. not? <laughs> We've got nothing else. Why not put it up? <laughs> and then we just... And that's it. That's how yeah. it was sort of kicked off. And, and then, then and then we were on Good Morning America. The American <laughs> what? It was so fun. Yeah. Like we HLN Fox News, obviously we turned down, but like yeah, Fox. So we had these we had these approaches from like Good Morning America and various others, and then Fox sent three capitalized <laughs> tweets to both of us. I am trying to contact you. Where are you? Bit beyond now, like this. So we obviously brush that off. But yeah, on Good Morning America with like five or six lengthy Skype rehearsals and stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, this is stupid. The whole thing is stupid, but I mean, it, it's it's really good fun. It's a daft fun thing for us to do. It's genuinely quite psychologically good because it's we we until yeah. recently were doing taking it in turns to do one daily. Yeah, and it it genuinely like we've got other little bits of work, yeah. but to have something so slow down. To do, but we had. <laughs> I can tell you where it's got to. We spent two and a half, half hours, hours, I yeah. think trying to get me dressed painted as a robot doing intergalactic by the beastie boys <laughs> two and a half hours later um decided we couldn't release it because it wasn't good enough that's where this has gone to which i i, re I realize now sharing that with other human beings are like we've gone a bit mad yeah, yeah. a bit a bit mad you, but then, you have yeah definitely but they've been <laughs> really that's fun. a great thing isn't it this 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 enormous junkyard of ambition of you know where everyone has been limited to their front room that yeah. you know when this is over and this enormous archive of this seems to be the right thing to do yeah. while going through this particular kind of monkey monkish uh, period of our life yeah exactly yeah, exactly so that so whatever you land on arbitrarily as your thing that you're putting out takes on enormous like importance and, yeah. and you attach like random values to it of like this is good enough and this is 
Well, this this track that this track um, that we hear today is exactly like that. It's not at all, all the sort, sort of stuff, stuff I normally do. But I just sort of thought, um, why not? Let's have a down with the planetary system yeah. and get a bit trippy, you know. Just and, like, um, an opportunity to do something different exactly. to what you normally do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not sort of chasing the next next gig or show or whatever. You can kind of go, oh, what if I do this for a bit? <laughs> so, yeah. It, um, uh, the, uh, a live chat is now providing an immediate release of the Beast of <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will return to it. We should, I think we should release, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like a, a cut-up version of it. Yeah. Like, I think and it'll be all right on the night, the night. Of, of everything that's been made in people's <laughs> front rooms. You know, something uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to volunteer my Nordenish qualities to uh, segue between our, our various different errors. It, in this clip. Keep an eye on the robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, we've run out of time, so we're gonna. But I, I have to say that normally we wouldn't have run out of time by now. But you never know how long jazz is gonna last. So yeah. there's a possibility yeah. we're gonna be trapped with jazz till midday uh, <laughs> on Friday. And uh, this is um, so, Mark. As well, your Jazz FM show is still on as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 On uh, Saturday nights at nine o'clock, I've got a show called Family Trees, and uh, it's really really fun. It just takes a simple thing that uh lots of the musicians who played as sidemen for example for miles davis on kind of blue were all complete artists in their own right mm. so i then take one of them and see who played for them and take one of them and see who played for them and try and link it all back in a big circle back to the original artist so this week uh, we started with blossom deary last week which was great it was a real mm venture and then uh this week it's dr john so i've got some professor long hair in there and all sorts of cool stuff yeah it's, it's really fun i love that and rachel the things like the the, the mass report is still going out now isn't it is, is that it is, so yeah. um so it'll be coming out uh friday tomorrow. that's today is it friday today no it's, no, it's not it's thursday. thursday and he failed the test another morning where he failed yeah. the test well, I and i said that with such patronizing confidence as well that's today yeah yeah um so <laughs> uh, but, yeah the next episode it will be uh tomorrow night at 10 on bbc2 the mash report and how have you been finding filming it in the way that you have to film yeah. it at the moment how's that been <laughs> quite hard um actually um you know what one good thing about it is like we've learned a lot of and I say we because Marcus has had to help he literally like he built this like cushion duvet den around for the sake of that was for the mash report (laughs) (laughs) um so I've learned a lot about sort of technical recording things but it is really doing your own hair and makeup to like telly standard as takes it's brutal it's brutal. It takes two hours, and that's before you've set up the studio. The light, so they've sent lights. Also, to set up. That's so dull to have to do when it is not something that is your passion. Like yeah. makeup artists are brilliant at it, and it's a creative thing they do. When you're yeah. trying to do it in order to get to your creative thing, that's yeah. unbearable. It's just a sort of basic level thing you have to achieve before you start yeah. performing. Do and like, oh my god, it makes me so grateful for like. Obviously, in in live comedy, that's one thing, but the the auto cue in the live things is such yeah. a gift and trying to like learn your script very last minute wow. that you've been writing until the with the right with the writers collaborating until like the last minute and so it's it's been like a real learning curve and i think the mash i think it's been really interesting the mash report some people are saying they prefer it um but i i've been enjoying it a lot i like the studio yeah. oh sorry i, I don't think no, no, but no, there no. is something about it that feels quite i don't know 
quite well, exciting. What, I, think. I think editorially, I think what people, what have, people said have, have said is like they're off the leash because they can't. They're not just going on what the audience laughs at, and so I mm. think perhaps more, perhaps more subversive stuff. Certainly, if niches uh, gets through a little bit more. Um, Same on Question Time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean really like without you know there are interesting things that have come out of it and, and one of the things is that without a baying mob there or without people talking in such a way that they'll force a round of applause <laughs> that, that actually there's yeah, yeah. Oh, it worked nice one <laughs> uh, but it, yeah it, it's it, yeah makes it different doesn't it yeah right we're going to uh, we're going to end on on uh, some jazz and uh, also plug uh, the uh, WWOZ uh, New Orleans. Uh, go and find out about that. OZ. The OZ. No, OZ. It's OZ if you're uh, in America. It's OZ because we're not. Uh, I, I, we're predominantly talking to a British audience. We're not as international as you sometimes think, Josie. Uh, despite our vaunting ambition um and uh, so we're going to end on 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 steve look up also about the stuff that is going on because as we mentioned before uh last week as well uh in new orleans there's a lot of uh kind of um crowdfunding going on because uh, people have been hit there uh particularly hard as well so find out about that also look below uh this page at the tip jar uh if you have a pound um we'll have it um i mean not if it's the last one though if it's your third one We'll have it. Um, and, I said uh, it's like thousandth one or something. That's the difference between you and I. I <laughs> third. third is the difference between... Yeah. Come, anyway, okay. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I don't really mean, by the way, if you only had three pounds left. Uh, Josie's taken me far too literally there. It's a disaster. I wish she hadn't read that Communist Manifesto. Um, <laughs> so, and that's what so she's doing for farm. Uh, so... Uh, tomorrow, by Do you the know way, what that reminds me of? The joke in that film Missing, where it goes, um, in, in communism, if you have two houses, one of them will give to the people, hooray! If you have two cars, one will give to the people, hooray! If you have two chickens, one will give to the people, boo! Why are you booing? I have two chickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, tomorrow, we're back with Richard Wiseman and uh, Agia Pragawal, who's written a really, uh, Agawal, who's written a really, really good book uh, called um, Sway, which is all about mm -hmm. unconscious bias. And Richard, uh, of course, also, if you have any questions uh, about psychology, uh, Richard will answer those. He's, and he'll also show us his latest pop-up books, as that's been his isolation. Uh, venture that he's been up to and uh, and then find out the other things are on Josie will be doing a quarantine comedy club and uh, we have more Sunday oh, science shows may I? we have yes you Tonight, may 7pm I'm streaming my show Tender it's lasts about two hours I'll take an interval in the middle I'm doing it live because uh, I was supposed to be touring it at the moment and I want to keep it in my mind and I miss it um, it's on twitch.tv slash Josie underscore long or on this um, sorry my old um ebay account used to be josie underscore love that's why i got confused about <laughs> if anyone wants to buy something off me in 2004 um yeah josie underscore long twitch.tv um if you want to come on i'd love it if Thanks. we're doing a little plug can i just quickly plug my, my podcast house music yeah yeah, yes. yeah make music in your house and learn about music and, and also on music uh, tomorrow, uh, as well as the other guests I've mentioned, uh, we will have uh, we have Uncle Frank from Fun Loving Criminals with some music as well. Here is Steve's jazz. Bye bye. <laughs>
Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles. Oh.